Welcome to today's edition of the Career 100 Podcast. Your host, Felicia Gopal, founder of collegefundingresource.com, will be interviewing professionals each week that are currently working in one of the top 100 careers for 2011. This series is designed to introduce students to different career options that are in demand and share the path each practitioner has taken to arrive in their current position. We want to expose you to the varied and distinguished careers of our guests and to perhaps inspire you to consider following in their footsteps, or better yet, blaze your own trail. So sit back and relax as Felicia interviews professionals about how they came to be in the top 100 careers. I want to thank everyone for joining us and welcome you to today's podcast. Today we're going to be continuing our series on the top 100 careers and branching into technology with a interview with a software engineer. Today's career is expecting particularly high growth between now and 2008, with the number of people working as software engineer increasing because businesses are looking for new ways to get ahead of competition and make their computer systems the fastest. Also concerns about cybersecurity, making sure certain people can see private information, will mean more jobs for software engineers in the coming years. However, job growth may not be as fast as it's been in the past because of work being outsourced to foreign country. It's a trend that we see across all sorts of industry. Today's professional expert is Kai Dupuy. He's a doctoral student at Pepperdine University where he's conducting research under the supervision of African-American males in computing. He is on the advisory board for Bitwise, an organization of African-American software engineers that was started by Microsoft. He's an evangelist for the use of technology in communities of color and a former instructor for Kaplan University, where he taught courses in programming and database design, as well as being a Microsoft certified trainer. Kai holds a master's degree in educational technology and is a contributed writer for the Atlanta Post, where he writes articles on the digital divide. Kai, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the call. Thank you for having me, Felicia. You know, I normally ask questions in a particular order, but I'm going to switch today. And I'm going to ask you one of the last questions first, which is, why do you think being a software engineer is on the list of the top 100 careers for the next decade? Well, I think a big part of that is because technology has begun and continues to pervade all aspects of our lives. I mean, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when I first got into this career, it was sort of a specialty gig. What I mean by that is you actually showed up for a job and you developed software for a particular company. They use that software to run their business. Well, nowadays, every aspect of our society has a tech aspect to it. It doesn't matter what career you go into. It doesn't matter what type of organization you're running. Technology is everywhere, and the engine that pushes technology forward, the innovation that takes place, is being done with software. It's being done with programs. It's being done by those who craft and engineer and build and architect those programs. If you look at the last few billionaires and the biggest companies in the last 15 to 20 years, these have, for the most part, been software companies. Facebook is a software company. Google is a software company. LinkedIn is a software company. And so not only is this the engine of our economy and the global economy, but it's also an aspect of it where it doesn't matter what career you choose, computing is going to be a huge 
part of that. And so as companies strive to become more competitive, as they strive to become more innovative, they have to have this talent. They have to have someone who understands computational thinking, who understands the way technology and computers work, and who are willing to go out and innovate and create at the cusp of technology. And so that's why I think it's so important, and that's why I think it's become one of the hottest careers going forward, just as it was when I started my career in 82, which was the dawn of the PC revolution. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you became a software engineer? You said you've been in the industry for 20, 25 years. Why don't you talk us through your career progression? Uh, I was shoved into it. <laughs> it. My story is not the traditional storybook tale as far as when I was little, my daddy gave me a computer and I just loved it so much and I've been computing ever since. That wasn't the case at all. What happened to me was, just like now, you know, there's a lot of parallels between now and, and the time when I grew up, there was this big push for technological superiority in terms of where the country was as a nation. I was born during the time of Sputnik right before uh, I believe it was the Russians put a satellite into orbit. Well, during that time, there was a big push by the government and a big push by the country to find and locate those who showed an aptitude for science, technology, and math. And I happened to have shown that sort of propensity when I was a youth. And so all through my junior high and high school career, I was pushed into these math classes and science classes. And trying to come to find out, I did enjoy those classes, and that's why I was taking those classes. But I was never interested in computers. And in fact, throughout my high school career, I don't think I ever took a computing class whatsoever. And we actually had a high school that in 81, 82, we had these computers that were built by Tandy or Radio Shack. So we had access to them, and I, I wasn't even using them. So what spurred my interest in computing and what made me become a software engineer was the opportunity. When I was coming up in my high school years, that's when all the information was coming out about these are the careers of the future. And if you get a degree in computer science, you will have a job forever. And these are going to be very lucrative. And the whole world is going the way of computers. And I heard all of this. And coming from an impoverished background, when they started saying how much these salaries were for these positions, I mean, when I came out of college, the type of money that I earned was so much more than anyone in my family had ever earned in the history of my family that it was unbelievable. And so I immediately set a track out of high school to go into engineering. I'm from Texas, so I spent my first semester here at Texas A&M as an engineering student. Did not like the civil engineering courses. Withdrew from Texas A&M and came back and started my career as a computer science major at a small college in San Antonio called Trinity University. And once I got a hold of software and computing and the idea of taking something and creating it from scratch, and I can produce a product called a piece of software and then use that to sell my services or create a product to sell my wares, that was the most exciting thing I had ever seen in my life from the standpoint of creating something from nothing. And I don't really need anyone to help me do it or anyone. You know, it's all you. It's all your creativity and your problem-solving skills. I absolutely was totally engaged by that and totally resonated with that, and, and that was the start of it for me. So the next question is, what do you like about being a software engineer? And you've kind of touched upon that because you were saying that what you like about it is being able to take your skills and basically create something from scratch. Is there anything that you would add to that? Well, I love the problem solving. And that's something that I haven't, that I, think, that I enjoy whether I'm doing it with computers or not. I love for someone to come to me with an issue, with a problem, with a challenge, 
and I'm able to introduce the computer as part of my solution. And so to be able to help someone do their job better, to be able to help an organization save money, to add to the bottom line, or to serve humanity. There's a lot of software out here now that helps people deal with health issues and weight issues and issues in terms of their finances. And so the ability to solve problems is something I've always resonated with and I absolutely love. The other thing that I really get excited about when it comes to being a software developer or a software engineer is taking something from scratch. I mean, I've been doing this for 20-something years, and so it's not as much lately as I did when I first started because computers are everywhere now. And when I first started, I may get a position where I walk into a company and they don't have any computers. Now, my role was to automate the entire operation. My first couple of jobs, that's exactly what I did. And so the thing that I loved about that was there wasn't a computer and there wasn't any software. And so you're thinking up stuff. We used to call it vaporware. You're thinking up what you're going to create in order to allow this organization to operate differently using computers. You're going to totally automate their systems and their processes. And I just love that. I just love the fact that, you know, Today there's nothing, and a month later I can hand you something on a diskette that helps you do your job better. Well, you are kind of dating yourself as you're calling it a diskette, but I understand what you're talking about because definitely one of the things that I've noticed as a business owner is, you know, I'm a technophobe in general. My ordinary propensity would be to be a technophobe, but I've definitely noticed as I've added more and more tools to my own business that it makes it much easier to do things and having automated solutions that deliver products to my clients makes my life really simple. So for a person like you who is a software engineer who likes to create something from scratch and dealing with a person like myself who, you know, is a technophobe, it's kind of an interesting marriage because I think if you can show me and it's been proven to me again and again and again that technology will make my life simpler, easier. I won't have to do these same processes over and over and over. Or even if there are processes that have to be done over and over and over, if there's an automatic way of delivering the product, I'm going to be somebody who's going to consider that and definitely implement that. So I could definitely see the value of a person who has a software engineering background in terms of saving me time, saving me money, and just saving me peace of mind. So those are all skills that I think that a software engineer would bring to a small business owner like myself. One other thing I would add to that that I enjoy, and it had, this hasn't been as frequently for me in the last couple of years because as you move up in the field, you don't get to do this as much. But in the beginning, and I, and I mentioned this, Skip, because I was thinking about my early career, and that's where most of the creativity came in. Nowadays, there's so many pieces of software, a lot of it's just bought and connected. But in the beginning, and one of the things I really liked about software engineering was that you were bringing these solutions to people, and you got to deliver it to them. And so you really were helping them. It was a way of providing them with a service that just made their day. You know, in, in the beginning, we were like celebrities, you know. I would come into an environment, and someone would be in pain over having to do something that took them, some kind of drudgery work that took them half an hour, two hours out of their day every Friday or every once a month, and they hated it. And then I would walk in and say, you know, I have something for you here, a piece of software, not on the diskette. <laughs> and, you know, maybe it's on a CD or maybe it's on your desktop, and I got a link for you here. And if you click on this piece of software, it'll produce that report for you or it'll update this field for you. Whatever it was that was taking them 
half a day or a day that they hated, and they just love me for that. And so you got to see the result of your work, and ultimately you're helping folks. Right. And I think that that's one of the things that I'm noticing is a trend for the people that I've been fortunate enough to interview for this series is they tend to be people who like to help people. And that's one of the reasons why many of them are in the careers that they are in, even though they are very different careers. I've just noticed that as a trend for people that will agree to be part of this podcast series. They tend to be people who have that kind of mindset. I'm trying to help people through my particular profession. Yes, and I would say that as a software engineer, one important thing to do is to make sure you are able to situate yourself in a way that you can do that. In a lot of places, it's not as easy to do as it is in others. Yes, I could imagine that that would be true. So if someone was interested in becoming a software engineer, is there a suggested path? Is there a, you know, a degree that you would have? Or is it really a skill set that you develop through education that you go through and the professional curiosity that helps you be successful in this career? You know, I've thought about this several times as I've gone through my career. I've seen people do this in a myriad of ways. And so I would not say there was a set path. What I would say is find one of the three or four paths that suits you best. Now, for me, I didn't know any better when I sought out to create my career. So college, you know, was the only way I knew to gain this knowledge. There was no Internet. There wasn't all these avenues to go out. Books were not as plentiful. There wasn't a bookstore on every corner. So for the most part, over the course of the 25 years, the kind of knowledge and information that you need in order to build your skills is now abundantly available. And I have to say, when I was coming up through high school and college, that was not the case. And a big part of it was it was a very new career. And so people didn't really even know what it was you were going to do when you got this degree. I recall having conversations with my family. They would say, well, what, what do you do? And I would say, I'm a software engineer. And they would say, well, what does that mean? You, you can use Word? It, most folks didn't even. Now it's part of the common discussion in American society. When someone says it's a developer, you know exactly what that means, right? People think of Mark Zuckerberg. But in the beginning, no one, people didn't really know what it was that you did. And so in my career, the traditional path in 82, 83 was go to college and get a computer science degree. I would not say that's the only path, and I would not say that's a suggested path. Today, there are many ways to do that. I have worked with several brilliant software engineers who taught themselves, had no more education than a high school education, met others who've gone the college route who couldn't code their way out of a paper bag. And so, you know, it doesn't really matter which way you go. It has more to do with your desire, your passion, and your determination to succeed. Now, a couple of paths that I would mention that I think are viable, college, absolutely go to college, get a degree in computer science. Another way you can do it, there are all kinds of online resources now in terms of certifications and programs where you can get a certificate in programming. Now, that's not going to give you the breadth of knowledge. You might need to be a software engineer, but it's a good start. You can go to a community college and get a two-year associate's degree, which is also a good start. And you can also enroll in some of these training centers. They now have something along the lines of a DeVry or a business institute like ITT have great programs in terms of becoming a software engineers or software developers. And then the last suggestion I would make is companies like Google and Microsoft, Microsoft in particular, they have certification programs that you can you teach yourself. You know, you buy a kit, it comes with a book and it comes with a membership, and they have exams that you can take to become proficient 
in a line of their products. For example, you can get a certification that says you're a Microsoft certified solution developer. And that says that Microsoft will stand behind you as knowing how to develop software using their products. And that's a credential that you can then take and get a job with. So there are many paths that you can take. Traditional path, obviously, is a four-year degree in college. But I think you figure out what's best for you. Know that there are several paths out there. And I've actually blogged about that a couple times, uh, different ways you can go about doing that, and then pick the one that's best for you. But the main thing is anyone wanting to go into this field needs to have a foundational knowledge of how computers work. You have to have that to be successful. Okay. So it does not sound like it's a career field that requires an advanced degree in order to get started. Is it something that is recommended as you spend more time in the industry, or will certifications, additional trainings like Microsoft certifications be sufficient to help you develop as you spend more time in the field? Absolutely. The thing about this field is that it's constantly changing. You know, for example, when I came out of college, I didn't know anything about programming a PC. <laughs> All of my training in college had to do with the mainframe computers because PCs were brand new. So once I graduated college, I had to learn all over again how a PC worked and what languages were applicable to the operating systems of a PC, which had nothing to do with the Fortran, the COBOL, and the Snowball, and some of the other languages that I learned while I was in college. So college is going to always have that problem. They're always going to lag behind what's actually in industry. And so the best way to keep up I would not say it's an advanced degree, but it is keeping up in terms of what's changing. So, for example, a new language comes out or a new version of Microsoft. They have a system now called .NET. That's their main programming environment. And so every so often there's a release to a new version of .NET. Those are the kinds of things you need to keep up with, whether you do it on your own or whether you do it by enrolling in classes. I think the best way to do it, depending on who the vendor is for the product that you make your living with, is to keep up with that vendor. So when they release a new product, you find out about that new product and go attend the class and keep your certifications intact. Certifications are more about you having product knowledge about a particular product. Sometimes it's more about process, but for the most part, as engineers, as software engineers, it's about the language that you're programming in. It's about the environment that you're programming in, and you absolutely must keep up with those. And that can be done through industry training and industry certifications much better, I think, than with an advanced degree. Well, in one of my recent interviews, I talked to another professional about the fact that in some industries there is what she called credential creep, where they're requiring, in order to even start to enter the field, a degree in order to even enter the industry. Basically, what I'm hearing from you is that software engineer is not one of those careers that is currently experiencing that because there are so many different avenues into the field. Yes, and I think that might be the case when you're first starting out, but it's more about opportunity. As I said, I've worked with several people who sat right next to me, and in most cases they made more money than me, and they had high school diplomas. Now, they may have had a harder time getting their first opportunity, but once they got that first opportunity and they proved themselves, then it didn't matter after that. No one's asked me how long what my GPA was. I mean, certainly there's a process of trying to keep certain people away from these positions. That, That definitely happens. But what I would say around whether that has to do with education or whether it has to do with your relationships is that if you choose a path to become a software engineer that does not necessarily include a degree, you absolutely have to add to your connection, your network, and so that you can get the opportunity to show that just because you don't have a degree, you do know 
how to do the work, and you can be successful. And those opportunities come from your network. And when I was younger, I had no idea about that. So I was constantly looking at people in positions that I was told I needed a degree to be in, and I would look at someone who didn't have a degree, and they're in the position. And you see that now. Folks that teach in universities, that don't have PhDs, software engineers, they don't have degrees in software engineering. People are acting, never acted a day in their life. They get those opportunities because of the network and the connections that they have built over time. And so that's, that's an aspect of this field that I would absolutely want to mention uh, around young people. Start early making your connections and building your network so that when you have your credential, whatever it may be, a degree, a certification, or just someone vouching for you. I have gotten many jobs where folks just put in a good word for me because of the work I've done for them. People are much more concerned about you being able to do the work and be good at it than they are about the credential. They use the credential as a sort of a gatekeeping process. You know, I emphatically agree with that statement. It definitely seems to be that one of the ways that they keep people out of various different positions is just requiring a degree. And so I completely agree that having a network in place is a great way to address that issue because it allows you to get in the door even though you don't ostensibly have what it is that they're looking for as a degree. So I I think that that's a very, very true statement. So let me just ask you, what sorts of things do you actually do as a software engineer? So if somebody says, you know, I'm interested in being a software engineer, I'm thinking about going into college, what would they end up doing if you were to think back to when you first started the industry and now talk about what you're doing now as a software engineer? Do you mean in the course of today or do you mean what kind of jobs software engineers hold? Well, I, I think that perhaps a little of both. I'm talking about, in particular, I was asking, you know, there's, so I'm a financial planner by training. And if you talk to five different financial planners, we all do something very, very different. And I'm just wondering if that's also true as a software engineer. Some off software engineers do these sorts of things. Some software engineers do these sorts of things. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we definitely have tasks that we spend the course of our day doing that are common, but we also work across all industries. And so, for example, some software engineers may spend their day working on a game for EA Sports, the latest Tiger Woods golf game, right? That's basically software. And so there's a team of software engineers and game designers and game developers that will work on a team to build a piece of software such as that. Then there are software engineers, programmers, and developers. These are all interchangeable terms for the most part who work on movies, right? If you go see any animated film, I was just out last week with my children. We went to go see uh, Ice Age 4, and I made a point to show my wife that while they're rolling the credits, they always get to a part where they have a list of software engineers. And so those guys are software engineers working on very different tools to create animation effects and images on the screen for movies. There are software engineers who work for all the sports leagues, folks who deal with databases and creating statistics. And so when you are listening to the sportscast and they say, this person is the third person in the history of the league to do X and Y, Z at the same time, and these are all database algorithms that are being developed by software engineers to produce and pull back that information from a huge repository of data. And so software engineers come in all walks of life in terms of where they work and what kinds of things they're doing. Now, in terms of day-to-day, 
there's probably four or five different tasks that each of us spend time doing. We get to talk to people a lot. We get to do interviews with users. We get to meet with them and, and conduct these interviews to figure out what their needs are in terms of the piece of software they need to develop or the way they want to change their software to adapt for how they're doing business today versus how they did it three or four years ago. Now, my background is, for the most part, in business software. Uh, folks used to call this an applications programmer. And so usually I'm involved in creating code or developing code or architecting a piece of software that has to do with the operation of a business to make it better, faster, stronger, help it save money, help them do their uh, work with as few people as possible, unfortunately, and, and those kind of efforts. And so uh, I work on databases. You may find me some days uh, writing a query for a database. You might find me designing tables for a database. At the same time, I may be putting together a piece of software that runs in the background on your desktop. And so I spend a lot of time in my development environment creating the software, and I also spend time talking to people, interviewing them, and then after the fact, after the software is delivered, you know, a lot of times I'm involved in the deployment of the software, which means I have to be on site when we roll it out, when we deploy it, which means we're going to roll it out to a new website, or we're going to roll out software to people's desktops, whatever the case may be, I'm there in a support role. And so we do testing, we do development, we do user requirements gathering, we do QA, there's uh, quite a few tasks. We do design work where we just sit down and decide what is the best way to solve this problem, how should the pieces go together, what's the best way to make these pieces fit together properly, efficiently, and things of that nature. And so there's a very broad array of the kind of work you can do as a software engineer, but for the most part, the tasks are pretty much the same. And it's all fun. It's a, it's a lot of mixtures, a lot of diversity in the kinds of things that we do during the course of a day, and you'll never get bored. Excellent, excellent. So let me ask you, what sorts of changes are happening in the industry or the field of software engineers that students need to not only be thinking about as they're entering the career, but also thinking about as they stay in the career? Well, first, it's always changing. And so if you're not one that's comfortable with change, this is not for you. And also, you need to become comfortable with change, period. That's just a side piece of advice. Become comfortable and become comfortable being uncomfortable. Be comfortable with change. That's just something that's going to serve you well no matter what career you're in. But in my career, it's just like it was when I started. When I came out of college in 86, everything was about the PC. And I remember going to some of my first jobs, and there were older people in, in those jobs, and they were the experts on the mainframe. And I was the young buck coming in with the new stuff. But now that's completely changed, and I'm the old guy. <laughs> or the older guy, and young people are coming in with a new dynamic. And that new dynamic is this mobile computing, this web computing, the social computing, and the cloud platform. That's the change right now. And so very little software now is being developed for a desktop. And that's where I spent the bulk of my career is on the desktop. And so right now, you want to learn languages, tools, techniques, that will make you proficient and efficient in creating software for these new platforms. And those new platforms are notebooks, tablets, smartphones, gaming consoles, and anything else that a computer chip can go into. And you can create software for and run on an operating system. And so that's the biggest change. I mean, you know, three or four years ago, it was just the web. 
Now almost anything that you can run on the web is being run on smartphones, and that introduces an entirely new set of tools that one has to master in order to create software for those platforms. So that's one of the biggest changes. The other one is this outsourcing thing. And that is not all that new, but it is absolutely continuing. And so it's made the competition stiffer, although there's a shortage for these jobs, a shortage of talent, there's still competition for these positions. And what I would suggest there is this. Most of the folks that are outsourcing these jobs are finding that when they outsource, the talent and the skill is not at the level that they thought it would be. Folks here, for the most part, the higher-paid engineers, those that have been doing it for a while, are much more skilled than those that get the job when it's outsourced. So my advice in that area would be what is being outsourced is mostly things that are rudimentary. You want to add a design aspect to everything that you do. And so engage your right brain. For the most part, software developers have been a left brain, a mathematical, analytical kind of field. But where you differentiate yourself in this field now, in all fields for that matter, according to uh, Daniel Pink in a book that I read that I really love called A Whole New Mind, is engage your right brain. Put a creativity and a design aspect to everything that you do so that it can't be easily commoditized and easily copied and bring that to your aptitude as a software engineer, and that's how you would distinguish yourself in the future and going forward. Well, you know, I think that that's true in pretty much all industries. You know, here in my college planning business, I know that as I looked out at the future, one of the things that I was definitely keeping in mind was how do I distinguish myself from all the other college planners? So if people are doing a search, and that's one of the first things that people do on the Internet is they do a search for whatever it is that they're looking for, one of the things that will distinguish me from other people is I've got to have something that will distinguish me from other people. You know, it can't just be that if you looked at my website and you looked at somebody else's website and you looked at somebody else's website, they all look the same and we're all saying the same thing because that makes it really hard for people to make decisions and people who can't make a distinction between people tend to be people who don't make decisions at all. So I think that that is really just good advice going forward. You've got to be able to distinguish yourself from other candidates, both as a software engineer and in any career field that you're in. Let me add to that for a second, because I just thought of something when you, when you were speaking that I think is critical in terms of distinguishing yourself, particularly in this field. Most people in this field are seen as antisocial, quiet, loners. They just want to sit in a corner and, and code. I distinguish myself when I interview for positions by saying, that's not me. So I can be someone that can come in and develop your software, and I'm also someone that can be what they call customer-facing. I can go speak to clients. I can go out and represent. I can do presentations. I can write documents, okay, whereas most others in the field, they shy away from that. They don't want to be in front of people. They want to wear a hoodie and walk around with grungy tennis shoes on. That's not what I do, and so I use that aspect of my being as my, my personality. I merge that with my very good technical skills, and I bring the whole of me to the party. And I think that is a key distinction. My husband has an aerospace engineering background, you know, so he's one of those people that really was a rocket scientist. But if you were to talk to him, you wouldn't see that at all, except when you were dealing with him on a professional basis, because he can go engineer 
hardcore, but he also has a really great personality. And what people really remember about him is his great personality and the fact that he could get the job done in terms of the computer skills. So I think that that is a key skill that a lot of engineers could really bring to the table. I think about a gentleman that I went to college with and who was the engineer that you were just talking about, you know, walked around in grungy tennis shoes and sweatshirt and, you know, one of our friends hired him because we weren't sure because he had been on, you know, numerous different interviews and nobody would hire him despite the fact that we knew he had really great skills because he had no people skills, no nothing that gave you any confidence that he could go out and face clients. And I think that for all jobs, employers want somebody who can do both. There's going to be people and you will be more successful in life if you have the ability to make that pivot and be both professional and detailed and technical, as well as somebody that can present your argument for why you're putting together the software and you're coming up with a solution in an articulate way that's persuasive. Absolutely. That's exactly my point. Great. So is there any final thoughts that you'd like to share? Anything you want to share with somebody considering a career as a software engineer? Oh, there's so much I could share, Felicia, so much. But let's see. Probably the main thing, and this would be advice I would give anyone as well, but absolutely in this field, you have to become comfortable with change, and you have to take on the stance of a lifelong learner. This is a field that is constantly changing. And what happens is, and, I, and I'm guilty of this myself, you become comfortable with what you know. And you look around, and you're behind. <laughs> and once you become behind, that's a problem. Because right. as you go on these interviews and the technology has changed, and you don't know what it is, that's tough. That's very tough. And then you'll find yourself only being able to get jobs in places where you're maintaining old applications. They're going to put these applications, they're going to sunset them pretty soon, and they just want somebody to come in and help bury them before they get rid of them. You want to be someone who is a lifelong learner. The minute you hear something new is coming out, you want to adopt. You want to start learning about it. You want to start mastering it. That goes on 24-7 constantly. Five years from now, we'll be talking about something totally different, and you will have to know what it is and be willing to master it and work just as hard as you did to master it as you did the first language that you learned. So if you're not someone who's going to be comfortable with lifelong learning, this is not the field for you. You know, I really have to agree. My husband recently went from a Fortune 500 company to another company on the other coast, and as we were evaluating the various different choices of employment, one of the things that I mentioned about this particular job versus another job that he really wanted out on the East Coast was the East Coast job was one where they were looking to maintain whatever it is that they had, and they liked the fact that he knew what they were trying to maintain, whereas the new opportunity came up in California, and that was an opportunity where he had the opportunity to learn some new skills. I said, you know what, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm always in class. I'm always taking classes. I go, this one is going to bring you some exposure to mobile, and I was just like, you don't have any mobile experience. I go, so if you got laid off five years from now, 10 years from now, you would now have that in your arsenal, whereas this other one, you wouldn't have it, and you would be now five years, 10 years down the road, and you don't have what everybody else has 
And I think that would be a real big problem for you. So that was one of the reasons why he uh, selected and went forward with the new career. And, you know, I mean, it made me move my business and made us move our families out here. But it put him in a position that he was going to be learning something new and something that employers were going to be asking everybody if you have five years from now. And so we were just kind of looking out to the future in terms of opportunities. And we know that he will be in a better position now because of this job than he would have if he had accepted the job out in the East Coast. Yeah, and it's kind of funny with technology that way. I mean, especially when something new comes out. If you learn it first, then you're able to go out and I do a lot of consulting and I also do a lot of side work, stuff that I'm doing on my own. And sometimes that's just because I went out and I learned something when it was brand new. And when someone asks you about it, you say, oh, yeah, I've been doing that for six months now. Well, six months is not a long time, but when everybody else has been doing it for a week, you're an expert. Right. And, and opportunities come as a result of that. And so absolutely, that will be my advice. My advice would be, and I've met people who have gotten out of IT or gotten out of software engineering, I ask them why, and they would tell me because they're tired of chasing it. You know, they're tired of having to keep learning, keep learning, which is what I find exciting. That's where my job is never boring. There's always a challenge, and I love challenges. It also makes it one of my favorite things about this career. You're not going to be doing five years from now what you're doing today. No, you're not. So, Kai, if somebody was looking for additional information about software engineering or if they were looking to reach out to you, how would they get a hold of you? They can text my name. K-A-I-D-U-P-E to 50500, and they'll get a text back with my contact information. That'll have my Twitter account, my Facebook, my email, and my phone number. That's All right, you want to give that to us again? Yes, you can text my name, K-A-I-D-U-P-E, and you text it to 50500, and then a return text will come back with my contact information. And you said it's got your Twitter and what else? My Twitter, my Facebook, my phone number, and my email. Perfect. So that's another way that a software engineer, and I'm going to have to talk to him after we get off the phone, about how he can get that set up, because that seems like something I would really want to implement in my own business. Kai, I thank (laughs) you very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure learning a little bit more about your career. So to learn more about the college planning process, I invite our listeners to visit my website, College Funding Resource. I also encourage my listeners to keep coming back to listen to more of our Career 100 podcasts. At College Funding Resource, you'll be able to listen for free to guests like Kai who have great information to share about different careers for you to consider. And I want to thank all my listeners for joining us today and hope you will join me again for the next installment of the Career 100 podcast. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Career 100 podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast, where we'll continue to interview experts in the top 100 careers for 2011, giving you the insider's view of their chosen profession. If you'd like more information about planning and saving for college and to instantly download your free copy of College Funding Resources Report, Five Strategies That Parents Need to Start Using Today to Cut Their College Costs Tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Kathy Davis for the Career 100 Podcast.